Broadcasting from the Business Radio X studio in Nashville, Tennessee, it's time for Regions Business Radio Nashville. Regions Business Radio Nashville is presented by Regions Bank. Brave the beginning. Member FDIC. Welcome to Regions Business Radio Nashville, presented by Regions Bank, member FDIC. I'm your host, Kelly Key, Executive Vice President with Regions, and we are broadcasting live from our Business Radio X studio set up inside the JW Marriott in Nashville, Tennessee. Welcome to this uh, series of podcasts here in Nashville. Um, as, as Regions was kind of thinking about ways to communicate with our customers and our communities, we kind of came to the decision to use this platform to help educate and promote awareness of several interesting topics then uh, and key issues that are impacting businesses and the people of Nashville. So thank you for spending the next several minutes with us today. And many of you may know, uh, Regions Bank has been a part of Nashville well over 100 years, uh, beginning with the headquartered bank that was First American Bank. I have been with Regions for just over 23 years, including starting with First American Bank through AmSouth and now Regions Bank. Been in Nashville here for the last 19 years. As part of our bank, Regions has some key basic values, five key basic values that we use to operate our company on a daily basis. As part of our corporate mission of creating shared value for our customers, our shareholders, and our communities, we place these basic values at the center of our strategies. And the decisions we make are intentionally designed to help achieve this mission. Regions is extremely active in the community of Nashville as well as the surrounding communities. From our contributions of money to several local nonprofit organizations to our donation of time for our associates to serve in various capacities over their favorite organizations. Regions is committed to serving all of the Middle Tennessee communities, not just Nashville. Which brings us to the topic we will be discussing today, affordable housing for the great number of people in need in our area. As I was driving in today, and as I've heard for many days as I'm driving in, there are several commercials on the radio about making sure we can leverage the highest home values in years, how you can sell your home in less than one day, how you can take advantage of all the equity because we are at the highest home values in history. While as a homeowner, these are very good problems for us to have, it does certainly create a challenge. What if, what if you're not a homeowner today? You know, what if you're in an apartment? What if you're trying to buy your first home? You know, how are we going to be able to have people who can't afford this level of prices? Or even worse, can I even earn high enough income that I can afford to rent? So today we have a couple of special guests with us who will be joining us that will discuss what some of these challenges are and how their organization is attempting to help resolve some of these issues. We have Brent Elrod, Executive Director of Urban Housing Solutions, and Alicia Haddock, Vice President of the Housing Fund. Brent and Alicia, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Regions has been fortunate to have worked with these two organizations for several decades now, and uh, and certainly appreciate their your involvement with both of these organizations and the services that you guys provide to our customers and our communities. So, Brent, why don't we just start with you? Tell us a little bit about yourself, a little bit about Urban Housing Solutions, and Alicia, same for you. Thanks, Kelly. Sure. So Urban Housing Solutions was started in 1991 in Nashville to address, at that time, really the, uh, the lack of permanent supportive housing for people who are homeless. And our genesis really is, and our mission today is really to try to address unmet housing needs in Nashville. So in the 1990s, that was predominantly in Nashville, people who were experiencing homelessness or who had other challenges finding affordable housing were really limitations on their income because in the 90s in Nashville and even through the 2000s, affordable housing was really an acute problem for folks with very low or extremely low incomes in Nashville. The point you're talking about in this podcast today is about how our affordable housing problem has really expanded you know, dramatically to include low, moderate, middle income earners, you know, uh, people who are unable to buy a home even though 
you know, 10 years ago, they would have had no problem probably in Nashville. So our work has evolved as well over the last 30 years, but our mission still continues to be to try to address Nashville's unmet housing needs by providing affordable homes and supportive communities. So that's, that's really what we're about. And today we have about 1,300 apartments in Nashville. We manage most of those ourselves, and we have a team of service coordinators to help connect our residents with other you know, services and, and uh, supports in the community to help, again, provide that supportive solution. Perfect. Thank you, Brent. Uh, Alicia, what about Affordable Housing Group? All right. Thanks, Kelly. So the Housing Fund is a private nonprofit uh, 501c3 um, CDFI, Community Development Financial Institution. Uh, We were created in 1996, so we just celebrated our 25-year anniversary. And the Housing Fund has assisted over 3,800 first-time homebuyers receive over $30 in down payment assistance loans, as well as provided more than $58 million in financing to assist individuals and organizations purchase, rehabilitate, or construct construct homes for low and moderate income families. So, you know, in total, the housing fund has provided over $88 million in lending capital, which has leveraged over $440 million in private financing for more than 6,800 units uh, of affordable housing. So we eat, sleep, and breathe. <laughs> affordable housing in the state of Tennessee. Well, that is perfect and and certainly a a very much needed product. So why don't we dig into it a little bit? I know we were talking about some of the statistics of of who needs affordable housing, how many numbers we've talked about. You know, Mm -hmm. Brent's got 1,300 units that he manages. So, you know, tell us a little bit about what's the what's the overarching need in Nashville and, and why Nashville? Why why is it so important here? Yeah, you know, I, I think the need is so great. You know, affordable housing is a common issue now, mm-hmm. right? It's not just about poor people or, you know, putting people in a box. It, it's more about our public servants, our teachers, our firefighters, you know, people who we rely on to help our city run that really kind of makes uh, Nashville our great state of Tennessee. It It is who we are the fabric of who we are so now when we're talking about affordable housing it's not you know public housing it's 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 one of those buzzwords that people immediately think about. Well, you know, um, what are they talking about here? We're talking about the the core, the fabric of our mm-hmm. communities. And so, you know, when when we look at that affordable housing task force that was assembled last summer, and that data that they put in saying that we need fifty thousand fifty three thousand units um, by twenty thirty, that really was very eye opening. Right. And then they broke it down even more saying we needed 18,000 of those units for 80 percent area median income uh, individuals and families. That was even more eye opening because it gave us a really good indication of where we are now, but where we need to go. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and that these definitions of affordable housing are notoriously uh, slippery or kind of overlapping. You know, that I think uh, if you ask somebody, what does affordable housing mean? You probably get about five, at least five different answers to the question. But I think increasingly as a community, as we've begun to understand our needs a little better, I think we've got a little more alignment, at least among the housing providers, like the housing fund, urban housing, and the other nonprofits uh, that we work with, that really when we're talking about affordable housing, quote unquote, it is predominantly for folks who are making less than 80% of the median income. And uh, Alicia referred to that a minute ago. That's for folks, that's an individual making about $48,000 a year or less, which is, you know, 
obviously not a low income, but it is technically quote unquote low income according to HUD standards. So that's really where we see the, you know, the most significant and historically have always had the most challenges for the market really meeting that affordable housing need. Historically, it was even, you know, not an issue really in Nashville for folks who are making, you know, anywhere between thirty to $40,000 to $48,000 a year. But in the last, especially in the last three, four years, uh, even though we've had a lot of apartments developed in Nashville and, you know, builders are building homes for sale, almost none of that is affordable to people who are making that $48,000 a year income or less if they're, you know, on their own or you know, if they've got a family, I'm sure it's even, you know, even tougher. So, you know, our organizations, we're really committed to trying to address that need for folks that are under the 80 AMI, so, so-called 80 AMI, you know, income threshold. Really, there's a need even higher than that. Than that. It's just not, you know, it's not something that urban, urban housing really is focused on, but they're, you know, we're just really concentrating our effort on the, you know, the most acute need and where we think we can have the most impact really to try to, again, provide that those affordable homes and supportive communities because, as, as Alicia was saying, you know, really our, our whole economy, really not just in Nashville, but countrywide is now built more on services and, you know, hospitality and just, you know, it's a, it's a service economy now. So a lot of these service jobs, people can't find employees because they can't, employees can't afford to live anywhere near where they work, you know? So it, it, our whole economy, if we're not able to really provide affordable housing for folks who are in the service sector, you know, they won't, they won't want to commute to Nashville for an hour and a half away to work at a job that they could maybe find 20 minutes away from where they live, you know? And so it threatens our long-term economic success as a city and, you know, our, you know, our, our prosperity overall as a community. Yeah. Especially when you factor in, you know, $4 plus for a gallon of gas, if you're driving 50, 60 miles to get to work, I mean, you're probably working the first two to three hours of every day just to pay for your, for your gas to and from. Yeah. yeah and just, so, just for the round trip. It's exactly right. And so, you know, Nashville being built on hospitality, built on service, built on tourism, particularly having those workers available is what's going to continue to drive our economy. Yep. So Alicia, you mentioned 50, I think 58,000 needed affordable homes. How many do we have today in inventory? What do we have in Nashville? So we have about 300,000 or so, something like that. And so to add that number by 2030, you know, we have to keep that housing stock up that we currently have mm-hmm. since about 2019 when they when they got that data and then add to it, right? And so it's very important to think uh, not only strategically, but creatively right how do we keep the housing stock that we have now and then how do we grow it and i think it's not just the government's problem or it's just you know nonprofits issue i think it's a problem that we all have to collectively mm-hmm. put our heads together and try and figure out you know every you know everybody kind of looks at it like this you know 800 pound gorilla that is affordable housing but how do we strategically and creatively tackle you know this in our different industries private, public, government, and what makes this, what can we do collectively to make this work, right? For-profit developers, non-profit developers, what Mm -hmm. is it that we can do to create more affordable housing? And then just across the spectrum, because we understand that, you know, it's, it's, um, Brent had mentioned, you know, we are looking at different AMIs, right? So you have 30%, but it could go all the way up to 120%, Mm. especially if we're talking about home ownership, and then we cannot leave out renters. I remember when we were dealing with the March 3rd, 2020 tornadoes, and a light bulb went off, you know, in Nashville, 
when we realized that 40%, I think it was, of Nashvilleians were renting, right? And so it was just, you know, kind of like this, um, you know, light bulb moment when we realized that not only, you know, did we feel like we owned more of Nashville, but we really didn't. Mm. And then we understood that we have to creatively tackle this affordable housing in a more creative way. Yeah, one of the things that, uh, as we were talking uh, last week, that really struck me is that, and I really hadn't thought about it in this vein before, but, but you know, the natural thing is you say, well, just go build more apartments. Well, somebody has to do that, right? So you've got to have a builder who's willing to go build affordable housing. But guess what? You know, Home Depot, Lowe's, they're not really giving you a discount on that lumber. Yeah. They're not giving you a discount on steel prices. Labor is certainly not working for free. So, right. you know, in order to do those things, there's a lot of, of intricacies that have to happen in order to make that to make that a viable opportunity. So, you know, think talk a little bit about then, is it, we've talked a little bit about the, the need, but how are you guys helping to kind of fulfill that and and where are some of your biggest opportunities today? And, and one of the things I do want you to talk about is, is what are the pressures on you guys to retain the affordable housing we have today? I mean, there's, mm-hmm. we've got units, and, and Brent can detail a story that he and I worked on, um, to where these were our affordable housing units that are now being renovated into very upscale apartments slash condos. So talk a little bit about that. So Brent, I don't know if you want to maybe talk about that story or... Yeah, I was going to say, in addition to you know, building additional affordable housing uh, to try to meet the gap that Alicia was talking about, the 53,000 unit gap by 2030 that's projected. I mean, that also assumes no change in the loss of affordable housing that exists today. So, you know, if, in other words, if we start to lose more existing apartment communities or, you know, maybe smaller single family homes to teardowns or in the case of apartment communities, when they get bought and flipped by out-of-state equity investors, you know, who are seeking a return on their capital, you know, which is not inherently bad, but if but if there's not efforts made also at the same time to preserve some of those existing affordable, they're called naturally occurring affordable housing, NOAA, apartment communities, you know, then we're actually, we're growing that gap wider and we're just not maybe aware of it, you know, real time. So urban housing, you know, we've been trying to, if where possible, at least be able to, it's called pre- preservation, preserving uh, affordable housing that exists today and in, in it's obviously a, in a decreasing supply, but, you know, we were proud to work with regions on on this uh, acquisition of two apartment communities near the airport that were so-called NOAA, naturally occurring. Um, you know, they were relatively affordable. They had not really been substantially renovated in, you know, 30, 40 years. So uh, they had not been pushed to the absolute maximum that the rent could, you know, that could, could actually be achieved in that neighborhood. So they're relatively affordable. And through an acquisition loan through regions, and then with this federal low-income housing tax credit program, which is the most you know substantial source for affordable housing development and preservation in the country now, we're able to take these two properties through this conversion, LIHTC conversion, and preserve them as affordable for you know 30 years or more. And like you said, Kelly, you know uh, renovate and upgrade the apartments in the process. But most importantly, keep the people in that apartment community that may have lived there for five, 10, you know, 20 years maybe. So it really helps promote community stability, and it it critically uh, shores up our affordable housing stock in the community so that we're not actually slipping behind what's already a pretty, you know, daunting goal to reach 53,000 affordable, uh, additional affordable uh, units in Nashville. So preservation is, is every bit as important as production or, you know, new construction. But 
that latter part is also critical. And I know the housing fund's doing great things to, you know, create new affordable housing too. You're right, Brent. It's that it's that creation and the preservation, right? Mm-hmm. And so you mentioned NOAA, uh, naturally occurring affordable housing, and really how do we, you know, keep that housing stock that we currently have? Uh, and so what we did is we created uh, the Housing Resiliency Fund. It's a property tax relief grant. And so not only did we uh, create it for homeowners, we expanded it to landlords, mm-hmm. right? And so we understood that property taxes were, you know, going up. And, and so how do we keep that rental stock up? Because it was just as important, right, for us to keep renters in affordable places and, and for rents to stay at that at, at an affordable rate. And so now we are providing a property tax relief for um, small landlords and nonprofit organizations mm-hmm. with one to 50 units, right, that that provide affordable rent. And so that's that creative leadership, you know, that is needed in this affordable housing space, because understanding that creation and preservation is it's needed, like I was saying a little bit earlier, not only for nonprofits, but for private institutions and and for government, for all of us to to work together. But it's going to take all of us to do it Mm. and and really think of creative ways to to get this done and really to, to tackle affordable housing in a way where we can save the units that we have, preserve them, mm-hmm. and then also create affordable housing. And especially in some of these new projects that we hear about, you know, making sure that uh, that affordable housing is is inserted or a part of some of these larger projects because the need is so great. Yeah, I think as Brent mentioned uh, on those two those two units, I think there were 162, 165 mm-hmm. yep. families that are living there today. And if you think about all the pressures that everybody has, right, whether it's getting kids to school on time or getting dinner or if we've got, you know, two parents working or maybe it's a single fa- single parent household. You know, if you think about all the pressures that they're under on a daily basis, you know, the, the last thing that they need to add on top of that is, oh, my gosh, now I don't have any place to live. And so, you know, with, with, with Brent's help, with, with urban housing, you know, regions, again, through uses of some of our community investment tax credits opportunities that we have, you know, we just kind of said, not today. You know, you may have mm-hmm. something to worry about tomorrow, but it's not going to be housing. Not today. Not with us. And so that really brings me kind of as we start to, to wrap up, I want you to tell me a little bit about more of a call to action. So, you know, a lot of businesses will be listening to this. A lot of, of individuals will be listening to this. What can we do? I mean, what, what can those people do? They, they may not work at a bank or they may not, you know, work at a, a nonprofit. What can the individual do to kind of help out in this scenario? You know, I, I was thinking about that, and we all have, you know, we, we want to do something about some of these issues, but they're so big, right? And we're like, well, what can little old me do about a, something as big as affordable housing? First of all, you can stay informed, mm. right? Know what's going on in the community. If you don't even have to live in Nashville, but you may commute here because you, you work in Nashville, you know, stay up on the issues and really, you know, a lot of times we spend most of most of our days at work you know how can you get involved how can your workplace get involved mm-hmm. really kind of pushing you know those issues especially with housing you know we can go round and round about what housing is and what it should be and is it a right and you know we can go on about this but really it, it really speaks to really our core beliefs and values what do you believe you know and if it's something that you believe 
believe in, stay informed about it. But then also, if you have the power, you know, at your place of business, see about investing in uh, affordable housing, right? What, what is your commitment? What can you do? And so I think once you, you know, kind of get there and really analyze the space that you're in, then you make an informed decision. Because I I know one thing, if nothing else, there is a lot of work to be done. And I think collectively, we can tackle this Mm. issue that seems so much bigger than all of us. But the, you know, just knowing that the opportunity is there. Yeah, I want to certainly build on that and echo that for sure, Alicia. Uh, and the um, you know this idea that we are connected as a community is essential to me personally, and I think I think a lot of us really have that you know sense under it all that we're really all part of this national community or the Middle Tennessee community. And being informed is in a big is a big part of being you know being able to support affordable housing to be aware of opportunities where. Uh, maybe there's some additional, you know, like a zoning to entitle a piece of property for more apartments or, you know, more townhomes or condos or, or, you know, new construction, you know, development. I think zoning is one of those critical battles that often gets fought that usually ends up resulting in, you know, it's a missed opportunity, basically, for affordable housing, or at least for additional housing stock, which helps to overall support affordable housing. The more supply we have, you know, the more we can meet the demand. And that, that helps to keep prices, you know, uh, more affordable at the end of the day. So I think being informed is a big part of it and being supportive of, you know, uh, providing additional housing opportunities pretty much at every level because everybody's better off that way, obviously. I think that's a big part of, of, you know, what all of us can do individually, even without, you know, maybe even contributing a dollar to any of the great nonprofits in Nashville, you know, doing good work on this on this issue. I think just being supportive of, you know, of adding more affordable housing or just more residential density in and around Middle Tennessee is, you know, is something that everybody can, you know, can really do to uh, to help meet the need. Uh, Alicia talked about creativity, uh, and I think that's increasingly necessary in the, uh, you know, very expensive market that we're in now, rising construction costs, land costs. It's really challenging for, especially to develop affordable housing, and it's going to take, Alicia touched on it, I think, corporate partners, you know, non-traditional, I'll call it non-traditional, you know, supporters of affordable housing. We have a great uh, local housing trust fund in Nashville that the city's, you know, expanding. The Barnes uh, Trust Fund is is doing really impactful things. And I know we have some major corporations that are like regions and others who are really stepping up to invest in affordable housing. Our foundation community has helped to really step up uh, and and support affordable housing in partnership with, with regions and UHS on this one project. So I think there are there are ways we can build on that collaboration, really, you know, to really put it in and put that word into action and have a real, uh, you know, impact. I think that's that's what it's going to take. And thank you, Regents, for your commitment, no, to the to the community, to Nashville, to to the housing fund, mm. being one of, you know, our largest investors, um, our largest investor. We appreciate that. And it's it's felt through our work. And that creative leadership, you know, it's needed. And I think, you know, we all have an opportunity at this present time to um, flex those creative muscles, right, around affordable housing and and how we get it done, not only in Middle Tennessee, in the state. Mm -hmm. You know, we are now, you know, we have projects in Memphis and Chattanooga, and we're having conversations in Knoxville and Johnson City. And so it's not just a Middle Tennessee problem. Mm -hmm. We are now, you know, across the state. And so how we move about, how we 
creatively, you know, look at down payment assistance, commercial development, shared equity, the community land trust, right? I think it's going to be critically important, not only for today, but for tomorrow. Yeah, I would agree with you. And I think to kind of wrap it up, I mean, the, the one thing I would tell all of our listeners is, is really the only wrong decision you can make is to make no decision. Mm. Um, so let's That's let's it. get involved. Let's make sure we're, we're doing everything we can to support the community and the people in it. So, again, thank you guys for coming on today. You know, Brett Elrod, Urban Housing, Alicia Haddock with the Housing Fund. Um, certainly very important topic, and we, we greatly appreciate the work that you guys are doing on a daily basis. Uh, you know, in closing, again, thanks for that. And uh, I want to thank our listeners for listening to uh, Regions Business Radio Nashville, presented by Regions Bank, member FDIC. You can enjoy all of our episodes anytime by visiting businessradiox.com and selecting the Nashville studio and then click on Regions Business Radio. This program is available on iTunes, Spotify, Our Heart Radio, or wherever you enjoy your favorite podcasts. Please be sure to subscribe to the program so you don't miss any of our future episodes. And thanks again. Regions Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender.